Hey, I'm Jason Gray. Hey, this is Sarah Gross. Hey, I'm Andrew Osinga. Hi, this is Michael Carr. Hey, this is Andrew Peterson, and you're listening to Voices in My Head. And this is me, so let's have some exciting music. Who is me, you ask? Well, me is Rick Lee James, and this is my podcast, Voices in My Head. We've got a great show for you this week, so stay tuned. Episode number 84 already. I can't believe it. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head and for keeping us going here. Um, I I do want to let you know that we have an incredible guest today. He's one of my favorite singer-songwriters slash guitarists, Andy Gullihorn. And he has a great new album we're going to talk about, and I'm going to play some tracks for you today. Uh, But man, in just a few minutes, we're going to have a conversation over Skype, and I can't wait to play that for you. I can't wait to have the conversation, actually. It's going to be great. Before we do I want to let you know that it is time once again it's that awful time of year when I have to actually pay for the podcast and it's not cheap it's uh, I wish that uh, it was cheaper than it was but it's not so we need to raise around $300 if possible um, if you guys are able to uh, to send some money through you just go to my website you can find the tip jar donate button and send some money my way that would be fantastic I'll use it for the podcast you can also find on the front page at rickleyjames.com uh, we actually have Voices in My Head podcast tumblers. Yes, those are, uh, in case you don't know what a tumbler is, those are pint glasses that you can order. And uh, we don't get very much money from those, but with every order that you make uh, and you buy a, a, a tumbler where you can drink your delicious cold or, I don't know, maybe even hot beverages from, uh, you know, just there's something about a good cold beverage on a hot day that just makes you feel like a man or something. That's probably not a good metaphor since we're in fall and we're going to be uh, into cold weather soon but anyway you get the point we could use your help and i would appreciate it if you're able to go to rickleyjames.com and either leave a donation or uh, just simply buy something uh, buy uh, voices in my head tumblr or you can buy my music that helps too you can go on there there's lots of options for that um And so since I've been talking about donating, let me tell you about something free real fast. Uh, Just this week, uh, finally, on iTunes, we have the Rick Lee James mobile app. You're going to be able to find on there videos. You're going to be able to find music, pictures, bio information, uh, links to the website. You can listen to the podcast, actually, on this new app. So it's kind of your one-stop shop for Rick Lee James stuff. So uh, if you have an iPhone, uh, go to iTunes, look up Rick Lee James mobile app and you'll be able to download it absolutely free. Um, We're sort of in a testing phase on this. Uh, I built it a couple weeks ago and I actually I've been working on it for a while but uh, I'd love to have your suggestions so make sure to leave us a review on iTunes whenever you download that app after you have a chance to check it out. Tell me what you would like to see. Tell me maybe things you don't like and uh, and I'd love to hear from you uh, there on iTunes. So uh, and as always we appreciate iTunes reviews at the Voices in My Head podcast podcast on iTunes as well. So if you could leave us, even if it's just uh, click on the five stars, if you're enjoying the show, that would be awesome. Uh, I can't tell you enough how important that is. Uh, If we get iTunes visibility, that every review helps us to become more visible to users out there. So, all right, enough of that commercial, enough of the ads or whatever you want to call those up front. I just hope you're enjoying the podcast. I'm going to do my best to keep bringing it to you as long as we can afford to keep it online. So uh, without any further hesitation, let's go into my conversation with the great Andy Gullihorn. The first time I ever heard Andy Gullihorn play guitar, I didn't know him by name. I was watching a live music video by Andrew Peterson online and was blown away by the incredible backup guitarist he had on stage. As time went on, I discovered not only his name, but that he was also a guitarist for Jill Phillips and was also an amazing singer-songwriter himself. His new album is titled Beyond the Frame, and it is one of the top albums that I've had the pleasure of hearing this year, offering tracks that literally make me laugh and make me cry and make me want to be a better person. My guest today is Andy Gullihorn, and this is the Voices in My Head podcast. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. 
Man, it's really a, a pleasure. I'm loving the new album so much, and uh, I can't wait to talk about it. But we always do something a little light at the beginning of the podcast here, and it's called Question of the Week. And uh, so this week, I know from listening to my friend Nick Flores' podcast a few weeks ago that you're big into games. So the question of the week that we asked online and we're asking to you now is, what is your favorite game? Or do you even have a favorite game? Can you narrow it down? Ooh, that's hard. It, it probably—I mean, there are different levels of that <laughs> question. Um, oh man, I'll—I'll I'll, I'll give you some general answers. Okay. Lo- long term. Um, well, I'll, I'll just go with short term. The, the game that, that I'm like—if—if if I had the perfect setup and could play a lot right now, it would be a game called Spikeball. Oh, okay. Uh, but you have to have like three other guys who know how to play and and the time to do it. Oh, okay. So um, does this actually involve a spike in a ball? It, it doesn't involve a spike, luckily. <laughs> um, but it's a it's kind of a mixture of four square four square and uh, volleyball. Oh, okay. It's it's kind of hard to describe, but once you play it, it's it's a lot of fun. Wow. Uh, now that's like a you know. A game that will actually get you sweating, <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, as far as games that you can like sit around and play, um, <laughs> boy, I don't know. Well, spike ball is a pretty good answer. We can just stick with that one. So. Good spike ball. Spike ball is my answer. I can see now people all over the internet, Wikipedia, that answer. You know, to, to figure out what is spike ball. So that's good. Maybe you'll give me a free spike ball set from the, the makers. Of spike ball. <laughs> that would be awesome. I've yeah. never even heard of that before. So that's a, <laughs> you've introduced me to something new. So, well, I don't expect you to remember this at all because I know you play a lot of different places. But I I want to say it was a little over a year ago. It may not have even been that long but uh when andrew peterson's new album came out his newest album light for the lost boy um i actually came down from ohio to nashville and uh there was a serious radio show taping that you guys were doing that day and i got to be oh wow i got to be one of the few i was actually sitting right in front of you and uh just enjoyed getting to watch your guitar playing up close and uh, and had a great time sorry no, no. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, and I got to hear some new songs I hadn't heard before, because literally the album came out that day, so it was great. And I, I came home and bragged to my friends. I said, yeah, I got to sit right in front of Andy Gullihorn and watch him play guitar, so it was good stuff. <laughs> so, well, that was fun. There were only about 20 people there, I think, 20... 20- yeah. Yeah, like it was that. it was real small. I I was really excited to get to to be a part of the small group that day. It was really fun. But uh, Andrew had been on my podcast last year and was nice enough to to uh, let me be one of the few. So I was really excited to get to go in there that day. Awesome. So, um, well, I want to talk to you uh, to kind of a little bit about your background, mostly about your album today. But I think that there's just a fact that is so interesting to me that I think you might have to explain it more. I was reading on uh, one of your old bio pages online, and it seems like we may have Garth Brooks to thank for your being a guitarist in a direct way. Uh, Would you want to kind of share a story about that? I'd love to hear a little bit more about it. Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, I don't tell that story a whole lot. It's... it's, uh the the gist of it is that um, uh, I played piano growing up, and then kind of gave up on playing music when I was about twelve years old. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but I loved country music, and I, and I fell in love with Garth uh, Brooks music when I was, you know, eighth grade, beginning of high school, and um, just love the songs that he picked. I'd sit there and you know read the, the lyrics and listen to his records and just love it. And I, so I was a huge Garth Brooks fan, and I convinced my family to go to a concert, a benefit concert that he was doing for Austin City Limits. Wow. And uh, my little brother was in the front row, and, and he has a tendency to be, um, I was going to say obnoxious, but I'll say spirited. <laughs> and he was uh, like yelling things from the front row, like different requests or whatever. And at some point, Garth, uh, called him up on stage and gave him his guitar, and it was the first guitar that Garth ever gave away, supposedly. And it's it's one he was, uh, you know, it was a big deal. He was inducted into Grand Ole Opry with it, and it was wow. on his first couple videos. And and uh, my mom thought, 
well, I think God gave us this guitar for a reason. We're not going to put it like in a display case. So she gave my, she got my little brother some guitar lessons and he didn't really take to it. So hmm. I said, well, can I try? And then, uh, that's when I started playing guitar. And, but the rule was I could only play, um, Garth Brooks songs. Oh. So the first, the first, you know, 40 or 30 songs, I don't remember how many records he had at that yeah. point. They were just all Garth Brooks songs. Uh, <laughs> and then once that was done, I was able to, branch out from there well it, it's funny you say that because well for one you're privileged because you got a guitar that was intact that he hadn't smashed on stage you right know, that's first, true because i remember that i was such a huge garth brooks fan back in the day right around that same age probably and um but i i remember uh myself i was learning to play guitar and the, and he was one of the first ones that you know that i had grabbed a songbook i started learning how to play the river and friends in right. low places and all those different songs right and uh he was a good finger picker i i enjoyed you know listening yeah. to garth brooks though that's that's just too cool of a story to pass up though that you learned on garth brooks guitar yeah it was uh yeah it was a good inspiration and i and and not to get too far off track but i think i remember not long ago maybe a twitter post or something that you had the chance to sing with vince gill um i did wow talk about another of my favorite guitarists how did that come about oh man that's just that 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 was just crazy it was a benefit concert here and Nashville for a counseling center and uh, they do this event every year where they usually bring a couple storytellers and then one songwriter and then this particular year which was last year they they had three songwriters so, so you were supposed to I mean you're supposed to do three songs but you're supposed to take 10 minutes per song so mm-hmm. you're supposed to tell a long story okay and when the uh, guy asked me if I would do it I was like well sure I'll do it and I said who else is doing it he said well Nicole Norderman, who is fantastic. Oh, you know, yeah. Songwriter I was excited about. And they said, and Vince Gill. And I was like, are you kidding? Like, <laughs> how much do I need to pay to be a part of this event? <laughs> and um, so the three of us sat up there on a stage and told stories. And and he uh, was just stunning. I mean, as I mean, of course, his, his voice... Uh, is is one I wish I hope when I get to heaven I could sing like that, <laughs> and then, uh, but his songs are just so great, and he's just a, but that was all surpassed by just what a great guy he was, I and mean, yeah. he's just a nice guy. Wow, it, it's funny because I I can remember all these memories are flooding back in now that I'm thinking about not only Garth Brooks but Vince Gill. I I can remember because uh, I I went to high school uh, in Dixon, Tennessee, not too far from Nashville, and okay. I, I remember uh, you know uh, that was when Restless came out with Mark O'Connor, and it was Vince Gill and Ricky Skaggs oh, and Steve Warner, and yeah. uh, I was just learning to play guitar, and I I would sit in my room for for hours with my Fender Telecaster learning to play the solo of like Liza Jane and Restless and all those different. things things where oh, he would play that that great chicken pick and electric guitar stuff and i'm like man i i'm never gonna be as good as this guy <laughs> you know? uh, uh, so. i i know i'm never gonna be as good as that guy i mean he he's like he he was incredible and yeah i i grew up listening to his music too i just absolutely loved it so it's fun to uh you know i don't know how i find myself in those places where because mm-hmm. the difference between ben skill's career and my career are pretty great yeah uh, but um, somehow I found myself there, and I was just, I mean, I was the happiest person in the room. It was so much wow. fun. Well, and uh, that's thats just an awesome story. That's great. So I, well, I want to move into talking about your music, but, you know, those are just fun stories to hear about. And I, I'm i am kind of a guitar geek, so uh, I, I enjoy hearing about, you know, fellow guitarists and the stuff that they're doing. So, but let's talk about your new album. Man, it's good. Uh, it's called Beyond the Frame. And did you, speaking of guitars, did you play all the guitars on the album yourself? I did. Awesome. It, I mean, it's mainly just, a, you know, there's no electric stuff on there, but it's just, uh, I have a friend play percussion, and then a, another friend play cello and violin, hmm. and then uh, another friend come play, I guess I should say their names, so Ken Lewis played percussion, David Henry played the string stuff, and then uh, Matt Pearson came and played bass, and then I just kind of sit in my office studio and add whatever guitars or stringed instruments feel like uh, are needed to make the song feel done. Yeah. 
How, now, I'm interested because I, I remember reading somewhere, I think your first album was sort of just maybe you and a guitar and sort of some friends that came over to sing some background stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So how has how recording changed for you from those early days? Were you were you doing something digital back then or, you know, how is it, you know, how has the process changed maybe from when you first started till like your most recent album? You know, it probably hasn't changed as much as it should, or as one might think that it should. Mm-hmm. Um, that first record, I especially didn't know. I mean, I'm I'm an example that if uh, if I can make my own records, then anybody can on Pro Tools. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a, a gearhead, and I'm not, uh, you know, a well trained engineer. Uh, I know that first record, I had no clue what I was doing. I had a couple friends come over and set some levels for me on it on a preamp Hmm. Uh, but i was still using pro tools and then uh just used one microphone and and kind of recorded a bunch of stuff uh and then each record i think i've added a couple of voices as far as uh instruments um you know i slowly added percussion and cello and then bass and this record i put piano on it for the first time um and so it's it's not really that different. I mean, it's a. I like working with a limited palette. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of have a feeling once if I started getting into keyboards or pads or electric guitar, then I would never want to stop. Hmm. I would never know when to stop. So I like the idea of having those, you know, percussions and some strings on it, but then having to fill out any kind of dynamics with whatever instruments I have laying around here in my office. So that's usually, I mean, a lot of acoustic guitars. Some uh, nylon string guitars, some high strung guitars, some mandolin, some bazooki, mm-hmm. and and um, but that's uh, maybe some banjo on occasion. But um, but I like I like the challenge of having to uh, fill it out with using that limited palette. I also mm-hmm. think it's easier. It's not like I'm I'm making things harder for myself. I think once you start getting into you know, a full kit of drums and then electric instruments, and it just gets to where you can add stuff until forever. Yeah, um, it can almost become overpowering. It, it, it's funny. I'm actually in the the middle myself of uh, recording a Christmas song. I'm doing a cover of uh, of Christmas Time Is Here, that old Charlie Brown yeah. <laughs> thing. And uh, and that's the 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 exact thing I'm struggling with right now. Is like, wow, how much do I want to add to this? Because I mean, it's got the original recording was just such a cool little you know three instrument jazz thing. And uh, and if you're one thing about Pro Tools is it's like. Gosh, the, it's just endless what you could do. <laughs> but, yeah, it doesn't but, cost more to add another track. Yeah, exactly. But like the idea of like you want it to be like sometimes just the simplicity is is so great. And that's actually one thing that I love about your your new album is it does have a real feel of it. It doesn't feel overly produced. It just feels it just sounds right. It's just great. It's a real special album. So um, let me ask you real quick because you were mentioning guitars and things. Uh, did your um, does your set, uh, not your set, but your guitars, do they change drastically from like what you play on the road versus what you play in the studio, or do you have certain ones that you prefer for each one? I have uh, an old Larve that um, I use probably 90% of everything that I ever record. Hmm. Um, and I will take with me on the road as long as I know I'm flying a direct flight on Southwest Airlines so I can carry it on and put it in the overhead. Uh, I don't, I won't check that one. Mm. Um, but I feel the most comfortable with that guitar. So I, I like traveling with it because, uh, I don't like going and doing a live show and playing a guitar that I don't, you know, that doesn't feel like home. Sure. Um, but I have other guitars that I can, uh, take that are, you know, not as like valuable or precious to me. Um, but that particular Larivee, I've played on, not just my records, but any records I've ever played on. And it kind of, you know, we would have guitar shootouts. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it has never lost. It, there's just something about the way that it sounds that uh, works, especially with open tunings. Mm-hmm. And um, it just, it's a workhorse. Yeah. I do have some, other, so that's the main one I use. I, I did uh, get a... Um, 70s Martin that I, that I played some, and then I have a 
nylon string uh, guitar. Uh, I don't even know what brand it is. It's a cheapo thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it works just fine. Yeah. Well, and there's just something about nylon strings. They sound great. I, I remember as a, when I was learning, one of my cousins who was very young, you know, way too young to even know how to play guitar yet, brought over a little cheap toy nylon string guitar, and I just fell in love because it was like, wow, these nylon strings sound amazing, you know? Yeah. And, of course, that was, you know, Tears in Heaven, Eric Clapton unplugged right, yeah. around that time, so everybody yeah. wanted to sound like that. But That's all you need. Anyway. Well, I, I thought what I might do, because I like so many of the songs on your album, uh, but I wondered if I narrowed it down to five that I kind of wanted to talk about today because they're just songs that really resonate with me. And I'd just love to kind of get your thoughts on, you know, maybe do a, a quick version. It doesn't have to be ten minutes like at that fundraiser with Vince right. Gill, but just, you know, maybe some stories behind the songs. I'd love to hear that. And um, for, First of all, you can maybe tell us, I don't know how much of this uh, was a co-written album, or I know that uh, Jason Gray has said that you are his favorite uh, songwriter. So um, maybe as I mention the song, you can mention, you know, who wrote it, uh, you know, if you wrote it with somebody, or, you know, whatever yeah. you want to tell us, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, so let's just start with the first track. It, it's a fantastic one called I Will. All you hear is silence Feels like you're alone Drifting off of the map Many souls have gone Down this road you're on At least I Man, well, I will is... I think it was the last song that I wrote for this record, and I kind of wrote it after looking at the other songs on the record. Hmm. And I, I like to start off a record with a kind of an introduction for the listener. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I realized that most of the songs on this record were written for individuals in my life. Uh, you know, they're uh, in the liner notes. It talks. It kind of says who each song was particularly written for. And um, so this is tr- me partly wondering, why is it that most of the songs I write now are written for specific individuals? And uh, I so I will. It's kind of a tribute in some ways to um, a group that I've been a part of every Tuesday night for the last six or so years that uh, I think has been helping me learn how to uh, listen to... Uh, my friends and the people around me listen to them talk about their life without uh, trying to create an answer or respond with an answer or try to pull them out of where they are. Uh, it's, a, it's a group that has been helping to, to teach me how to just listen and to kind of sit in suffering or something that's uncomfortable or mm-hmm. uh, but just kind of be with people as they go through that stuff rather than try to fix it. Yeah. Um, so I, I say that the song I will is, um, me writing into who I really want to be. Hmm. Um, I, I think it overshoots who I actually am. Um, I think it's way kinder than I actually am and more compassionate than I actually am, but I hope to be that way. Hmm. Well, and, you know that's one thing that a lot of uh, a lot of theologians have taught people that I've read. People like Stanley Hauerwas kind of reminded me when you said that um, Hauerwas is a professor at Duke and he's a pacifist and he's talked about many times. Um, so you, you know people ask him what's the best way to be a pacifist? He said, "Well, start saying you are one." <laughs> he said, right. and then you'll either have to become one or you'll give it up. You know, and so it's kind of kind of sounds like that with the song "I Will." Of this is the kind of person you you want to be, and maybe the more we put it out there the more we'll actually become that and that's yeah. great um and a really good song i mean it really uh, i i think anybody even though you you write it for individuals and things like that i think that everybody um needs that kind of friend is uh, somebody i've heard said before a 3 a.m friend you know somebody that they yeah. can just call on any time and very much pick that up from that song so well done sir thank you uh well, let's move on to another one that the second verse i believe it is just 
really hits me every time because it feels like, wow, I, I think I could have... I probably wouldn't say it so eloquently, but yeah, that, that verse hits me as the line in the sand song. And uh, you start out talking about, um, you know, things that you swore you'd never do uh, with, you know, mixing up your kid's name. And I only have one son, and I'm already mixing his name up with the dog, so I, I don't know, you know, how that works. It's way too easy. That's right. But there's a, a great line. I, I'm going to try to quote the line real fast, and I'll let you talk about it. But uh, there was a time when I was on fire. I had a love for the word that I thought I knew but I didn't understand because I used it as a weapon to judge from on high with no love or grace for any who were struggling. But struggles of my own I could not hide. Um, and I, I've been thinking a lot lately about how we misuse the word uh, so often. And, um, and I'll, I'll just let you talk about it, but that, that song is so good. So I'll, I'll quit babbling and let you talk. And there was a time I was on fire I had a love for a word I thought I knew but didn't understand Cause I used it as a weapon To judge from on high With no love or grace For any who was struggling The struggles of my own I could not hide And I found myself Among the least of men Imagine my surprise As I came to recognize myself and them What I thought was true What I thought was right Sure looks a little different After all this time No, the truth won't change But perspective can so much for the line in the sand So much for the line in the sand hmm. Well, um, yeah, I feel like in my head when I picture that um, verse, I'm picturing my college years uh, in which uh, I grew up uh, went to Catholic schools all the way through high school and then found myself at a Southern Baptist University. And it was there that I started hearing all the stereotypes about Catholics that I never knew to be true about myself. Mm -hmm. um, but then also kind of like, oh, Catholics are going to hell. They worship the devil, or what, whatever it is. And then I, I started um, buying into some of it. I remember there was a time where I was like, oh, I wonder if my parents are going to heaven. I'm worried about their salvation or... Um, but I was just judgmental about a lot of things. Um, from, I mean, I, and, I, and I don't, when I look back on that time, I don't beat myself up about the way that I was then. I think that's just the point of the song is that's just what, I was looking at the world from the perspective that I had then. Sure. And, um, and so my point isn't that, you know, I was so, I do think I was blind to a lot of things, uh, but I think I'm blind to a lot of things right now. Hmm. So uh, it was me kind of looking back and seeing how I might have thought about a number of things, politically, socially, whatever, and then realizing that once, um, you know, I, I found myself on the side of the people that I had been judging, you know, these people that can't hold it together and these screw-ups that I was so judgmental of. Mm -hmm. Once I found myself on that side, I was like, oh, well, it looks different from over here. Um, and it's just that uh, I think only through that kind of experience can uh, compassion start to grow and then you start to um, look at life a little differently. Mm. And so in my general point of the song is, it, is understanding that even now, um, it's important for me to realize that I could be just as wrong about things as I was when I was in college. Hmm. Um, and and that the answer to that isn't to just be like, well, I'm not going to believe in anything. The answer is just like, well, I'm going to believe what I believe in from the perspective that I'm living in. But I also need to reserve the right to change my mind, uh, which I think in a practical sense opens me up for a real conversation with people who've Think differently than I do, rather than thinking, "Well, no, I, 
I'm never wrong. This is, I'm sure this is what it is. It gives me freedom to talk with people who think differently and, and to, to think, oh, well, maybe there's some truth in what, what they're saying. And maybe I need to, once again, reserve the right to change my mind and to be wrong. Hmm. Well, it's, it's, man, it's a, it's a, Real thinker, I, I appreciate the lyrics of that one so much. I do. Um, and okay, let's move on to the third song that you probably are. Uh, I don't know. I think you're probably gonna hit number one on the Billboard charts with this song because it's uh, it's one that I think every uh, at least every person uh, you know like me that's trying to uh, make a living through music in some way or another. Skinny jeans, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want to be remembered by the work that I've done Want my name to reside on the front of the mind and the tip of the tongue I want the attention of the powers that be Want them fighting with each other over who's gonna get to work with me I want to leave the stage with them on their feet at a sold-out show And I'd do just about anything to make it so But I don't want to wear those skinny jeans So maybe there's no hope for me Uh, you know, it is a song that kind of make people laugh, and I mean, even if there's serious, uh, you know, feelings in there, which I don't even know that there are. Um, it's mainly to, to, uh, you know, make people laugh, <laughs> and uh, and all my records have one or two of those songs on there that will hopefully make people laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's what the intent is. Sure, and. I think uh, I never want to like end a show with those songs because it's not like what I feel like I want to send people home with. Mm-hmm. But whatever it takes to get somebody to, you know, to manipulate somebody into buying a record and then listening to the rest of the songs that I really want them to hear, I'll sell out in a second. <laughs> well, see, I could see that song on maybe a I don't know a, a Gap commercial for baggy jeans or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to I'd wear skinny jeans. <laughs> I, I'm fine with that. I'm more than yeah, very good. So if you're listening out there, Gap or whatever, you know he's ready. He's ready for your commercial. So yeah, easy that licensing. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, two more I want to talk about, and I and I don't. I'm assuming this is a song that's from your own personal experience, but you said you've written some of them for friends too. Uh, but this is uh, my son yesterday. Um, or was it two days ago now? Sorry, two days ago now. Uh, just turned nine months old. And um, the song Sleeping Sound, I've really come to appreciate. And uh, just was kind of wanting to hear your perspective on this song as a father. You're tossing and turning in your bed because you can't slow down. And you wake up every hour because you can't stop thinking about how the plans you had. Are different now And you're finding you're a lot more fragile than you thought inside Don't wanna talk about it cause it makes you wanna cry And it hurts the most In the dead of night But at the bottom of your stairs there is a hallway That leaves everything you worry about If you walk it to the end, you'll find a doorway To the room of a boy sleeping sound Hmm. Well, I I did write that song as a quote-unquote gift uh, for uh, a friend of mine um, who, I mean, that, that... Personal situation was that his son was uh, just diagnosed as, as being uh, having Asperger syndrome, mm. and so I think there was a lot. Uh, there were a lot of questions that he had about what it meant for his son's future, and and 
uh, kind of feeling like, oh, he's five years old. Is, are there things that should I have known this sooner? Or is there something I could have done differently? And hmm. I mean, you can imagine all the, all the questions that might run through someone's head. Sure. And um, and I I just wanted to simply write a song and give it to him that was saying, no matter what, I think you've done a fantastic job hmm. with your son and and whatever he is or whatever he has or whatever he might be, um, you, you wouldn't change anything, you know, because all you can do is just what you've done and that's love him well. Hmm. Wow. And I, I, that can be such a tough thing. What a cool gift too. My, my wife actually, uh, for her living works with special ed kids and, mm-hmm. um, and has to deal with, uh, kids that have that a lot. And, um, that's a, that's a great gift for a friend to give that and, I think it goes back to your first track again that, you know, you're trying to be a person that is kind of walking through that with others. And um, and sometimes, you know, songs as gifts, they can be, like, fantastic. I, I think sometimes people who aren't incredibly musical are like, a song? Thanks, you know? Right. <laughs> but but for those of us that really find a lot of meaning, like, it's it's just one of those priceless, almost intangible things, but it's something that really can stir the heart and something that can give us hope to carry on. So I'm sure your friend appreciates that a lot. And just as a, as a new father myself, I really appreciate that song because that is kind of my sentiment, you know, thinking the, the thing that means more to me in the world is right there, in my case, across the hall, not down the stairs. Right. But, um, yeah, thanks for writing that for not well, only your friend, but for us dads out there that are trying to, to do this right. <laughs> my pleasure. I think that's that's part of the, the great thing about songwriting is that, you know, you can write something that's work out something very specific and it, and it still reaches people where they are. Um, yeah, and they're weird gifts to give. Uh, I, I, I realize that, but I've always felt like if something was said in a song, then it felt more true to me for some reason. Yeah. And, uh, so that's kind of what I, I attempt to do. I, I say quote unquote gifts cause they're not like gifts that other people ask for. They might not like them at all. Um, but you know, <laughs> I give them anyways. <laughs> well, I'm sure they liked it. Fine. You know, in a sense, this, this is the, the gift, you know, I don't know how many songs you've written for, your wife, it seems like every anniversary, I, <coughs> excuse me, I try to write something, you know, I start getting like, I'm going to write a song for her, and, you know, right. and, and she usually doesn't go like, hey, thanks, but I wanted a necklace, you know, or whatever, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, she, I usually get her both, I guess to say that, but anyway, songs are good gifts, I'm just going to go on record and say, I appreciate songs, so, yeah. um, well, the last song I wanted to talk about, and we'll probably uh, end our conversation today with this one, but I, let me give this preface to it. Um, I played this um, for my pastor. I, I work part time at my my church here in Springfield, Ohio, and um, I just walked into my pastor's office uh, two days ago, and uh, I said, "I really need to play a song for you." I said, "I don't know why um, exactly, other than this song has just, you know, it literally is one that brings me to tears when I hear it. Not only." Uh, just because of the story, but when I first heard it, I was actually walking through a very scary thing a few weeks ago, because I, I, um, just a little about me, I found out that I had a cyst on my brain, and, and, and when I was first hearing this song, I was thinking, oh man, brain surgery, and, and, and it's totally a completely different situation, came through, it turns out that mine is benign, it, it was nothing to worry about. But it kind of was a song that I, I kind of walked along with, sensing like, where are you, God, you know, in the midst of all this. So two days ago, I, I took it in uh, to my pastor, and I said, I really think you need to hear this song. And uh, as soon as, uh, like, we just sat there completely silent, and, and both of us almost went into tears. And he asked me, he said, how long would it take you to to learn this and play it in church and you know can you do it in like two weeks and i was like well i said i can i don't know if i can do it without crying but <laughs> it's, a, it's a good song but um the song nowhere to be found and um i i man i'd love for you maybe to to share the story behind this song with the listeners i i've heard you tell a little bit of it like i said with nick flora on his podcast um but i just think it's it's a powerful story and it's an incredible song I took a fall with no safety net I felt my face hit the ground After a second to catch my breath I fell 
Say that I'm honored you feel that way about the song, and and also honored that uh, any church anywhere would want to play that in a, in a service. I think that's a, a good sign, as far mm. as I'm concerned. Um, not because it's such a good song, but just because of it's not what you would normally get in a church service. Yeah, um, it's a it's probably the darkest song that I've ever had a part of writing. I, I wrote it with Nate Tasker, um, who it's also about. Uh, it's about kind of a season in his life uh, where he lost his father-in-law and he lost twins within you know f- four months of each other, mm. and it was a pretty hard year, as you can imagine. And uh, he asked me to help him write some songs to kind of tell the story of that year, really, of mm. his life. And we had written a couple other ones, and uh, this day we sat down to tackle the 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 part of the story that is uh feeling abandoned by god um which i was strangely excited to write about because hmm. uh, i just feel like people can when they drop their guard uh maybe not everybody can relate to being a christian uh maybe not everybody can relate to faith or or but but a lot of people can relate to doubting god in some way you know that mm-hmm. that question comes up wh- wherever you are on the spectrum and you know doubting if god exists doubting if he's listening doubting if he cares and um so yeah this song was kind of take, trying to take an honest look at i mean the verses are just specific times i asked nate to tell me when he felt most abandoned by god in the process so mm-hmm. that's where the verses come from and we we made uh we had, we talked about not tying it up neatly with a you know nice Christian bow to make everything make sense or sure. to make everything feel like oh well there was a purpose you know um, but there is a, a, a small glimmer of hope mm-hmm. uh, in the end and but I think even in those kind of moments the most hope that you might be able to muster is just thinking uh, well maybe it's true that that. Jesus was real, and maybe it's true that he actually was resurrected. And if that's true, um, then then uh, maybe that's the, the only, not even knowing exactly what that means, but that's the only bit of hope that I can find, because it looks pretty dark, hmm. you know, while you're in it. Um, so yeah, that's and that's why I'm excited that someone would be playing that in church, because it's usually... Uh, we normally shy away from talking about doubts and uh, language about God being nowhere to be found, um, mm. feeling like it's threatening to God or something to say you were nowhere to be found, you know. Yeah. And I don't feel with any part of me that God is threatened by that. I think He, in, in those kind of moments, to say that, even if it's not really true mm-hmm. on some level. Um, do I, do I think that God is nowhere to be found? I don't think that. But I do think that it feels that way. Mm-hmm. And there are times where I wonder that. Um, but even if it's not true, I don't think that God is offended by it. I think God is just like the same way I feel if, if my son said, you don't care about me. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like, I know that I care about you, and I understand that it feels that there's this thing that happened that makes you feel like I don't, don't care about you. But what you can't see is that I'm caring about you in a way that you don't don't understand, hmm. you know, or that I can't explain to you. Yeah. So I I think God's response to the, those that kind of language is not offense, um, but I think it's a drawing near and a compassion. Um, so 
that's why I think we shouldn't be afraid of that kind of language in churches. And, sure. And I, I um, think, um, I, I, sorry to interrupt you. I just, no. I, I think that's something that hopefully the church as a whole, I, I mean, I'm really hoping that we're learning to embrace that because, um, that kind of language certainly is in scripture. You know, I think that one of yeah. our things that we, uh, you know, at least modern people. I don't know if I can classify the postmodern people as that, <laughs> but a lot of us, you know, are, grew up in churches where everything was kind of wrapped up neatly at the end, like you said. And I think about like Mother Teresa, who, you know, after her death, her memoirs were released. And uh, I don't think she even wanted them released, though I think right. it was kind of like a, a scandal that it even happened. But I yeah. remember one of the things she wrote about was for years, uh, towards the maybe the last 20 years or something of her life, she said she just didn't feel like she sensed God was there. She said, and that, that doesn't mean um, that he isn't, but she said something about if this is if this is what it takes to keep me close to him, if this is what it takes for me to carry out the task he has for me, then I will I will bear it, you know, the, this sense of feeling he's not there. Um, and I, I thought, yeah. wow, what a what an amazing statement of faith to even be able to say that, you know, in in the midst of the, I, I don't sense God, but but that doesn't mean that he's not there. And and I, I really, I just appreciate the song so much. It it reminds me a little bit of uh, of Andrew Peterson's song, The Silence of God. Oh man, um, I love that song. Which yeah, they, and this is right up there with it. I I think when I heard that song, I mean, for me personally, I can't speak for anybody else, uh, but your song, Nowhere to Be Found. When I got to that track. I, I just kind of hit me. I was like, "Yep, this is the best the best record I've heard this year." <laughs> uh, it's it's just up there with uh, with some of the greats. And this is after listening. I don't know if you're familiar with Jason Isbell and uh, and his music. Uh, he's not. he's been featured a lot on NPR lately. He's a he's a singer songwriter from Nashville, not Christian, but uh, just talk about somebody that writes honest stories. He's a guy that recently came through rehab, and he's a he's a, with the Drive By Truckers. I don't know if you've okay. ever listened to them, but he's got okay. a solo album. Check it out sometime. You'll you'll really appreciate yeah. um, the kind of writing that's on there. So uh, anyway, your your album's at least in the top five of my favorites. So I really appreciate that. Just that you take some time Excellent. today to come and talk about it. Uh, I'm going to be playing some tracks on the podcast today. Um, but I would encourage all of my listeners uh, to go to andygillahorn.com, uh, check out more about the album. Better yet, go to iTunes or Amazon or uh, wherever it is you buy music from and buy a copy of uh, Andy Gullahorn's new album. Shoot, get all of his albums while you're there. He won't mind. So uh, <laughs> anything else that you would like to uh, leave the listeners with today before we end our conversation? Ooh, I just want to thank you for having me. This is... Uh and thanks for listening to the record and caring about the songs. And, um, boy, for the general public, I can't think of anything to say. <laughs> All right. Well, you other said... Other than, other, I'll say this. I watched, finished watching Broadchurch last night. That's a good show. You should go watch it. All right. You have to like crying, you have to like grief, and you have to like darkness, so... <laughs> I feel like we've ended this on a very uplifting note then today. Yeah. So we, there we are. We're practicing what we talk about. We're not ending it up with a, a nice little bow at the end. So <laughs> great. Well, Andy, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being one of the voices in my head this week. Thank you so much.
like a crystal ball Usually from the outside in I see people I love Get the life that I lost And I try to be happy for them But it feels like a town Unacquainted with grief Protected like a child in the womb Oh, I'm looking for you Hanging around on those streets It's like looking been listening to voices in my head the official podcast of rick lee james if you'd like to know more about me my ministry my music my life go to my website at rickleejames.com and i'd love this to be a community experience so if you call 937-505-0162 you can leave feedback you can give me suggestions for future shows you can even record comments that i can play on the next podcast so let's make this something really great together 937-505-0162 thank you so much for listening to voices in my head the official rick lee james podcast god bless